Sonic States. Hello, everybody. This is uh, Sonic Talk number 28. Uh, we had a break over Christmas for a couple of weeks, um, and we're all back refreshed. I hope everybody had a good New Year. I'd just like to say before I start, we've actually been... Um, We've joined the Home Recording Network, uh, which is uh, a network of sort of like-minded podcasters who are doing uh, various uh, podcasts on music making, homemade hits, gear wire, all sorts of things. Um, so if you want to see who else is there, go to homerecordingnetwork.com and there's uh, a list of all the shows that are in, uh, participating. So um, hello to everybody. And if there's anybody new listening to us, hello to you especially. So how is everybody? Um, uh, let me just introduce everyone. First of all, uh, we've got John Musgrave. How are you doing, John? Do you have a good Christmas? I did. Uh, it was a good one. Good relaxing couple of weeks off, actually. Oh, glad to hear it. That's great to know. Um, Non-Eric, ever in Berlin, how are you doing? I'm fine. Hello. You have a good Christmas yourself? Oh, it was great. I was um, the, the um, Christmas... Um, how's it called in English? The Christmas man or... Uh, Father Christmas. Santa Claus. Yeah, Father Christmas, yes. Oh, excellent. And um, we've got Mark Tinley. How are you doing, Mark? Have a good Christmas? I'm- yeah, very good Christmas, thank you. <coughs> My daughter's um, 12, and she doesn't know that Father Christmas isn't real, or she's not letting on. Oh, that's sweet. <laughs> Sorry, by the way, Mark, thank you ever so much for that Audio Units uh, Roundup uh, podcast. That's pretty very popular. And if you haven't already heard it, go and check it out. It, Mark did a, a, a rather fabulous roundup of... Uh, audio unit freeware plugins um and um it's 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 a great chronicle of what you can get out there for um on freeware stuff so thanks mark thank you and also dave spears how are you doing dave good christmas and all uh, i was ill ah oh, well <laughs> i didn't want to bring a downer on it but so was i and all my family ah oh, it was a nightmare wasn't it yeah it was out. it was rubbish frankly it's the worst christmas i've ever had <laughs> <laughs> i'm glad i wasn't alone yeah, we, we had um, a course of antibiotics between Christmas and New Year for my child <laughs> to, uh, to quell the chest infection. Everything's all, ra- all right now, and um, now we're just preparing for NAM, um, which is sort of not all right in its own way. It kind of Have you started the waking up in the middle of the night worrying about stupid things like, have I, is my passport out of date and all that sort of stuff? My worst one is I've got so much to do that I'm dreaming about doing the work at night and then waking up in the morning and realising that I've got to do it all again for real. <laughs> <laughs> a good one. Oh, that's oh. painful. Oh, I'm going in last year. I was actually at the airport with my passport. And then the people, the, the, the students, they, they looked at me and they said, oh, this is not a valid passport. No. And it was, an, it was a, the one they stamped it. They put a hole in it. Oh, because it no. was because I changed the name. Uh, I uh, adopted the name of my wife. Uh, the worst one I had when I left all our, all our money, company credit cards, and everything in the car in the car park. And I, as I realised it, I didn't. I, I went and asked the people on the gate and said, "Have I got time to get back to the car park?" And they said, "No." So we landed in uh, in Frankfurt with no money. But um, fortunately, Dave managed to fly a suitcase of euros over for me and. Um, the drinks were on him. Thanks, so thanks, Dave, if I haven't already thanked you enough. Um, Could have been busking in front of the hall. No, there's no way I'd have earned any money at all. I'd have been arrested. SonicState.com Really, that was kind of the first topic. I mean, Nam is coming. Anybody have any rumours, plans, dreams, wishes? You know, anybody heard anything that kind of gets their juices going? Love to hear about Logic 8, but I doubt whether it's going to be there. I think Apple is no more a computer company since yesterday. And they're more into the phone business now. It makes... It makes me worry, worry, worry. Logic's going to be superseded by something you can make ringtones on, probably. Absolutely. <laughs> It'll be the iRingtone creator. 
A whole new series of plugins, Dave, you'll be pleased to know, I'm sure. (laughs) Yes. Hey, a new format. Basically, the whole world is talking about the Apple announcements. I mean, it seems now Steve Jobs has become almost more famous than God. I mean, everybody seems to... Did you hear any of the keynote speech? There were all these people whooping, and, you know, it's like he's some kind of major celebrity, when, in fact, a lot of people seem to think he's a, he's a, he's a sort of tyrant. They did announce the iPhone, and everybody I've been speaking to is going, ooh, isn't it nice? Does anybody think it's not nice? There's lots of people I know trying to not like it, I think, but I think it's fairly hard not to. The only good reason I heard is that uh, it's not doesn't allow for third-party developers, developers at the minute. You can't actually put your own software on it. You're just stuck with what it comes with. I was That's, rather hoping it would run Skype. I don't think it does. <laughs> no, it won't. Seems unlikely, doesn't it, frankly? Their share price went up, what was it, 10% yesterday after the announcement? Hmm. And it's they're only aiming for 1% of the mobile phone market, so they're not aiming very high. But that's still 10 million phones, though. What makes me more worried is that they dropped the name computer from Apple, from the name. And that's obviously showing that the computer business is not that important anymore. I was very, very disappointed that there wasn't any kind of new news uh, about a computer. No new laptop, no nothing. Well, I, uh, to be honest, I think what they're aiming for, because basically CES is on at the same time, isn't it? Which is all about consumer electronics. So I think they must have been just going for the kind of the consumer electronics hole. Because, I mean, we also, we, we were talking about this before we went on air with Richard, Richard Evans, who I forgot to introduce, by the way. How are you doing, Richard? I'm very Have a well. nice Christmas. I had a very nice Christmas. <laughs> and my son does believe in Santa Claus. Oh, I'm just glad to hear it. Yeah, But uh, we were talking, Richard, beforehand, um, before we went on air about... Um, about how Sony had kind of were losing the plot with consumer electronics, and you think Apple are sort of rushing to fill the void, possibly? Yeah, that sounds feasible. Yeah, I went in, I went into um, Comet yesterday, which is a UK electrical store, sort of like the good guys in America or whatever. And um, there was a really nice silver computer in there, but I looked at it and I thought that is an Apple copy if ever I've seen one, and it was a Sony laptop. Oh, so really? I think Sony are desperately trying to copy Apple, who are desperately. Innovation seems to be their uh, keyword. They're at taking moment. the lead, yeah. But yes, the iPhone looks kind of exciting. Ultimately, it's a it's like an iPod, although it doesn't seem to have all that much memory. They're going on about how great it'd be for video, but eight gigabyte doesn't seem to be an enormous amount oh. for storing stuff. Is that or have I misread it? No, it's four it's and eight. Uh, four but, and eight. That's right. But I'm sure that'll be three times that within the year. It's got to be. Hasn't yeah, it? I suppose so. Do you think they're going to come out with their own memory format like Sony? That would be good. Then we can have like multiple tiny little sort of incompatible pieces of silicon that are floating around in the bottom of our pockets. Just make things even worse. The thing I found most exciting about it was though the pinch thing that they showed that it's a two-finger screen, touch screen, so it can tell two. Well, what you described as a polyphonic touch screen before, like that thing that Cycling Seventy Four makes, which must have cost absolutely masses to develop something like that. And I can't quite see why, because the only thing that it does right now is you use it to uh, make pictures smaller and bigger. And I can't see how that justifies the amount of expense. Can anybody else think of a good reason for it? Well, they mu- I mean, this phone, has I've, I've heard, has over 200 patents uh, that are kind of linked to its development. So presumably they're going to start using... I mean, you know, we talked about the Jeff Han thing. We've talked about the Lima um, um, touchscreen. I mean, maybe Apple are just kind of thinking, hmm, yeah, we'll have some of that. And this is the beginning of them maybe going in that direction. That would be very exciting. <laughs> 
Have they basically decided that the computers don't make them any money, though? Is this the issue? I hope not. I hope not. I'm a, I'm a logic user. I'm depending on the damn things. Well, but I remember about five years ago in computer design, there was a lot of talk about people saying the days of, the act- of a CPU computer is over and they were all starting to look to develop uh, single-use uh, peripherals rather than... Uh, individual computers, and I thought that was that was smart. And it, it, so it's more. It's not that computers are being left behind. It's just they're building computers into smaller. But who's yeah. going to make the computers that make music and make you know that that people use to create things that the rest of us consume? I mean, they still have to be Roland. Roland, they're going to make them. Do you think so? A Roland G six is going to be announced at NAM, maybe. Yeah. Oh, that would be cool, wouldn't it? I'm mm, not sure. So, I mean, I'm, we should probably move on, really. I mean, but the Apple iPhone looked very exciting. I mean, it, it was very much a consumer electronics kind of announcement thing for for, for um, the recent Mac, Mac World Ex- or Mac, Apple Expo. I forget what it's called, anyway. But I, I, one thing I am looking forward to is maybe at NAM when we go and see the Apple stand, someone will have one and we can actually see what they look like in the flesh. <laughs> It's uh, Stephen here from Dublin. Just a quick message. I've been listening to podcasts since the very first and uh, loving every bit of it. So keep it up. Cheers. Bye-bye. Are there any other norm rumours up and about about new products? There was a really big propeller heads one and uh, I was kind of... I'd managed to book us a very early appointment. We were going to go and get the video of the first whatever it was. Nobody told us. And then uh, I was quite excited. But then I got an email um, from their PR person saying, actually, they're not doing it. Uh, here so obviously they didn't quite get it finished in time whatever it is and i absolutely do not know i have no idea what it is not that a new, they're talking. new application new all-encompassing application absolutely no idea so uh maybe maybe they'll tell us but they said it's going to be messer whatever it is that we're going to see this thing from propeller heads do you remember when the reason three was the first release because it's been a damn long time without any major update so they've got to be working on something new there were rumors that they were actually working together with ableton on something that's what I heard. Wow, now that would be. Do you think they're going to? About the, maybe they're just going to announce a merger and they're going to be kind of become one mega company that just deals with all real time music creation. Unlikely, I feel. I think so too, but I think maybe they've they've got a, an R and D development corporation of some sort. I'm not. I just that's what I heard. But it's pretty vague. Uh, what else have I seen? Uh, if you go to the M Audio MySpace page, there's apparently uh, some interesting looking controller which has got a lot of lights under it. I mean. There seem to be. I think there's going to be a lot of DJ controllers this year. That's the uh, impression I get. Um, so oh, G- DJs, are, yeah. Well, maybe they'll double up as something else. Um, I don't like. The, I don't like DJ. I don't think <laughs> DJs. I don't think DJs know anything about music at all. Whippersnappers. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> I was. I was doing a lot of uh, live acts as a um, in discos because I ran this um, trance label for six or seven years. And it was always a nightmare because everybody would always call me a DJ, no matter what I would tell them. They'd say, no, I'm a musician, I'm a producer, I'm doing this live gig here, you know, with my MPC and things. And they all say, oh, that was a great DJ performance. Thank you very much, sir. You should have made it go <laughs> wrong a bit more often then. Then, then they would yeah. have known. <laughs> SonicState.com I'll tell you what I did here, though. I heard that G Media were going to be announcing something. Oh, blimey. Um, no, we're bringing out a phone. It's really? Just, it's, <laughs> uh, no, I, I'll, I'll give you um, a little bit of a heads up, as oh. long as no one's listening. Um, no, it's all right. I'll, I'll start from the beginning. I was asked to find um, a couple of Selenas for a UK band, Kasabian. And uh, I was, we were just kind of gobsmacked at how much money they were and how bloody heavy they are. 
So uh, we've spent the last year at least sourcing every single string machine that we can possibly find and uh, recording it. So we've got everything from the Freeman, which was the very first um, string machine, which was invented by Ken Freeman. I think he does the music for Hobby City, but he did um, David Essex going to make you a star, and that <gasps> oh, was all. That's a good one. That was all done on his Freeman. Uh, it's called the String Symphonizer. So he was the kind of first guy, and then uh, the Dutch company Eminent got in on the act, and that eventually saw Light of Day as a Selena. Um, but prior to that, it was kind of incorporated in an organ, which Jean-Michel Jarre used. So basically, we've just kind of recorded every single string machine that we can find. And uh, that's what we'll be uh, announcing. And wow. you are you, you should call it the G-Spot. Uh, Is it yeah, too late to change the name? Well, we've been through a couple of name changes. Originally, it was going to be um, called the Analog, well, yeah, Analog Replica String Ensemble. But the Avid guys got a bit worried about the uh, acronym for that. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, when we had the discussion with them, we uh, we talked about other names, um, one of which you came up with, Nick, which was um, incorporating string hybrid instrument technology, which we quite liked. <laughs> but they didn't. Um, <laughs> so now it's going to have um, a normal name, about as normal name as we're ever going to have, which will be um, something like virtual string machine. Ah, so uh, are we going to get to to come and um, to to do some video and 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 do all of that thing? Actually, we haven't made an appointment. I suppose we should really come and see you, and you can show us. Uh, yeah, well, this year um, M Audio and Digi have got this kind of giant mega booth, and uh, they're making me do demos on the stage. I think I get, I think I have to do half an hour, and then I get an hour off, and then back on hour off. So it's it's pretty intense. So if you turn up at any time. I'll be there, no doubt. Okay. Fending off, com- fending off questions about universal binaries, which we will have at NAM. I think we're going to use NAM as the kind of big, big beta test ground for all the UBs. I think that'll um, either prove it that they're bulletproof or that we need to do some more work. Ah, oh, well, great. I'm really glad to hear the new instrument. I actually, you know, I've known a little bit about it because I, I did a bit of beta testing and checking out, and I thought it sounded fabulous. So I'm really looking forward to seeing the finished box and all of that sort of stuff, and it'll be quite exciting. So am I. Um, well, anyway, NAM is coming. Let's, for, those, for those of you who don't know, January the 18th is when it starts, uh, up until Sunday the 21st. I'm going to be there from Wednesday night. Um, hopefully we'll get there in time to set up all our technology and bringing you loads and loads of video as real-time as we can possibly manage. I'm, I'm very disappointed that Spectrasonics aren't going to be there. I was looking forward to seeing something new and exciting from them. Yeah, well, actually, I got an email from them um, which was saying how they were nearly ready with a whole bunch of really exciting new stuff and they've been working very hard on it, which is probably one of the reasons they're not going to be there. So they're probably just finishing it off. Because I just recently got Stylus RMX, and I have to say, it's quite fabulous. It's brilliant. I love it. I use it loads and loads. But you hear it in every movie you go to now. It's, all, it's almost reached that saturation point where you can't use it anymore because it's everywhere on every single TV program. The score, it's, it's, it's overused, I think, sadly, because I love it too. Quite a few sample libraries have been put into remix format as well, haven't they? Yeah. They're easy to load up. Well, any Rex files you can kind of convert into it, can't you? So it's sort of always helpful. Okay, well, I mean, Nam, that's Nam. I mean, I'm not sure what we're going to do podcast-wise, because um, obviously I'm going to be in the air when we usually record the podcast, and when I actually land, I'm going to be um, working. So I'll try and interview a few people and maybe cut some things in, because I've heard people try and do podcasts from trade shows, 
And because of the enormous amount of background noise and the, the technical difficulties of taking all the kit there, um, we might not actually broadcast live from there, but I will pick up a bunch of interviews and we'll put something together for the following week. Anyone see the bottle skier video on YouTube? How cool is that, eh? Oh, Who is this guy? Who is this guy? Michel Lausier. He's a Canadian, Quebec-Canadian um, acrobat, comedian, musician. And if you go to his website, um, there's some videos of sort of the other stuff that he does, and he does some really interesting... But, but just to describe this, it's basically a very long street that seems to have been blocked off. There's a man with, uh, what are they, roller skates and some kind of ski poles, and he's got these kind of sticks off the back of his roller skates... And there's two rows of bottles, which he's obviously filled up with the right amount of liquid so that they're pitched in sequence. And it's kind of like a piano roll. And he just goes zooming down the hill and um, plays a piece of music with these sort of little sticks hitting the bottles in sequence. It's, it's, it's a brilliant um, and ingenious little piece of performance art, I think. How did he do it? How did he know how to space those bottles out? I hate stuff like this because it just makes me think, how did he do that? Quite easy to, to work out the length of things and stuff. You just measure it, measure it all out. Yeah, so you'd figure out how many notes there were, then you'd divide it by the number of, I suppose, beats or measures or whatever, and then sub, you know put the put the bottles in the right place. I didn't notice there was any kind of. There must have been some chalk marks when he was out there measuring it all up. Step sequencing, isn't it really? This is definitely being my top five most important keyboards of all time single most influential keyboard ever designed, obviously after the piano. Great for bass lines and leads and that sort of thing. It's, it's a pretty cool synth. The top 20 greatest synths of all time. Coming soon from Sonic State. I've always tried to get these RIAA stories in, but I never kind of quite managed to get them. Everybody kind of groans. Does anyone sort of have any interest in them trying to buy, to sue all of MP3 for $1.65 trillion? <laughs> what do you think? Do you think they stand a chance? Well, it's think... interesting maths, isn't it? Yeah. Do they think they've actually got $1.6 trillion? What's the point of putting in a number like that? Well, that's a very good question. I mean, what they've actually done is they've, they've decided that they want to sue for $150,000 for each song that was downloaded between June 06 to October 06. So that's just a six-month period, isn't it? Or not even that. So they're just basically, that's how they figured it out. Is, is all of MP3 based in Russia? Yes, it is. And, it, and under Russian law, it's actually legal. There's all sorts of leverage they're using in sort of the international trades talks and what have you. And all of MP3 seems to be a very big sticking block. So the RIAA are, um, have filed a lawsuit, which is presumably going to put some pressure on somebody, or either that, or have a load of people drinking vodka in a room laughing their heads off at the ludicrous, the ludicrousness of it. So it's funny in a way, Nick. They're flooding us with MP3s, and they're turning off our oil supply. <laughs> <laughs> I must admit that I am actually bought some stuff off the website. Have you? Uh, yes, because I, I was getting really fed, fed up with the iTunes DRM stuff, you know, always having to rip the stuff back as a, a MP3 from a burnt um, CD because I just don't want to uh, have the hassle of not being able to play that stuff on new machines or on another MP3 player. But I always yeah. burn things as an audio CD, re-import that's, it, and then that's the end yeah. of the DRM problem. Yeah, not that I'm I recommending do, anybody does that. Of no, of course not. You're infringing the law of physics because every time you do that, you're doing something called transcoding. 
and it will get significantly worse in quality every time you do that. So, yeah, um, that's why, you know, why it's your... bad enough that you're playing an MP3, but if you're playing an MP3 with one generation lost, then that's, I don't know. I couldn't, I couldn't handle that. It would annoy me. Mm. That's why I went to uh, the Russian guys. Ah. They they even ah. allow you. Some of them you can even download them in full wave format. Oh really? So has has all of MP3 actually got a higher band, higher kbps than than uh, iTunes? Yeah, you pay not <laughs> you pay not but for the track, but for the the the, the amount of volume. data you download, the, the volume you download. Ah. So you so all the tracks have different prices, and the prices varies by quality. So the lower quality, they even have a free quality, which is 128, that huh. you can play, download for free, but only use it with a special player. Ah. And, and, it's and a great odd. business model. If only they were paying the artists for the use of their tracks. It was interesting you saying, John, that um, the artist, if, if all of MP3 was legit, the artist would get paid, because there is one artist who obviously ca- could do with being paid, and that's uh, Whitney Houston, whose all, <laughs> all her old music gear is up for sale. Um, and that presumably is, is all her sort of touring stuff. Did anyone see that story? It was on the music thing blogspot. This is a fantastically funny story. And the, 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 one I, the story I read actually said this was all gear from her tour in 1999, I think. And it's been sitting in this lockup in Queens or somewhere off, off Manhattan for seven years. And the reason that they're auctioning it is because she's not paid the bills. Oh, what, the storage bills? Storage bills. So she's mm. been sitting there festering. No. Exactly the same thing happened to Duran Duran because um, they didn't pay storage bill on Nick Lost, all of these Emulator 1, a brand new Emulator 1, and loads of string machines and all sorts of stuff. Well, there's a moral to this tale. (laughs) Pay your bills and obviously don't become addicted to crack. (laughs) (laughs) Allegedly. This isn't just gear. This is like the stage, uh, all the costumes and all this kind of stuff. There's some fantastic stuff. What is there? There's a load of, um, well, there's a whole load of Akai samplers. Um, uh, a there's loose r- racks planet. of really good uh, recording gear with ADL compressors and all sorts of great really? stuff there. I mean, it's actually some nice gear. So um, when does this go off then? The uh, auction? T- t- today, I think. Is it today? Auctioned in New Jersey. God, I should have done a bit more research, hadn't I? Anyone else done more research than me that would care to take over and talk about it? <laughs> I-, I did email them and asked if they'd break up the shoe collection. <laughs> <laughs> for those of you who don't realise, Dave has a penchant for ladies' shoes. Not, not, not to wear or anything, just to own particularly celebrity ones. Is that right? Would that be fair to say without kind of becoming sounding too pervy? I yeah I mean uh, yeah somebody um somebody gave me um a pair of Kylie's boots and it just kind of snowballed from there really somebody else I know sent me um some pictures of Alison Goldfrapp's shoes which actually uh, yes the pink ones with the velcro on the bottom which is quite surreal velcro on the bottom oh what so yeah. you I don't there's understand. Obviously, there's obviously a strip of Velcro on the bottom for some reason. I've oh, probably, baffled as to why. They probably, yeah, they probably got a stick on... Um, they're probably in some wardrobe, so you stick them there and they can be grabbed very quickly for a quick costume change, <laughs> is what okay. I'm suggesting. Yes, no, I thought it was like, well, there's your spot, stand there. So um, anybody tempted by any of this gear or is it just a kind of um, a sad a, a, a sad end to what looks like an enormous amount of equipment? I'll, I'll tell you, if I was in the States, I would definitely bid on that Ewe. Oh, is that the wind control thing? Yeah, I mean, Jesus, they exchange hands for big bucks now. No, I bought a new one. They're still making them. I bought one really? just last year, and it's very good for making any piece of music sound like old jazz funk. 
<laughs> Even better. <laughs> no, but it co- they they made a new version of it last year. It cost me four hundred and fifteen dollars. I remember, and it's got a built-in synthesizer now, and it's actually great fun. It's brilliant. Oh my word! Do you actually oh, play? So you what? Is it saxophone kind of fingering? It's, uh, it's a funny hybrid. On, on, I used to have a Yamaha one where you could switch it between flute fingering and saxophone fi- uh, fingering, but this is just—it's just weird. There's tons and tons of little metal plates all around it, where if you just touch them slightly, suddenly. Everything goes out of tune or starts wobbling or doing something. I mean, it's just a very really peculiar instrument. It's actually brilliant, I've got to say. But Sounds it, quite exciting. It is really is it exciting. Made by? It's made by Akai. It's the Ewe 4000S, I believe. The closest I've got to anything like that was I bought um, a Casio MIDI horn from a boot sale for two quid. And that was <laughs> I remember that fun. thing. The Waldorf Nano Synth. Now. Oh. Yeah. That's a groan from non-Eric because um, he actually did try and tell me about this in a previous podcast. I think it was the first one that you joined us on. And yeah, I, absolutely. <laughs> I, it must have been a language barrier because I've completely ignored it and now I've found it and claimed it for myself, you see. It's a piece of hardware that seems to fit in one of the uh, CME keyboards. It's like a plug-in card from what I can gather. I think uh, what I found out is, is basically what was sold years ago under the TerraTech label as a sound board for one of their uh, sound cards. It's like a kind of a preset sort of... Ah. Uh, yeah, I think it's, it's, I think it's not a very uh, clever move in, uh, on their behalf in c- concerned marketing and bringing back the Waldorf brand they, because that's a kind of a downer, I think. You think it cheapens it? Yeah, in a way, because people have very high expectations. Well, it, I mean, the, the bullet points over on audiomidi.com where they're selling it for 279 bucks. Uh, it's got 1,000 world-class synth sounds, up to 25 voice polyphony, adjustable sound parameters, extensive effects, ultra-node noise, powerful headphone amp, easy to install. But the last one I particularly like, which is, it's made in Germany. <laughs> That's it. Is this a recent resurrection for Waldorf? Yes. And they've they're... kind of gone into hibernation. No, uh, they've, they've been bought by Joachim Flohr, and he's, uh, he's sort of uh, trying to uh, build all the old uh, line of synthesizers again. And they've just hired uh, Wolfram Franke, who did lots of work as a programmer for them. So he's back. He went to, after uh, Waldorf went down, he, he went to program for Access on the virus plugin, and he's now back on board with Waldorf. So yeah. the plan is to rebuild hardware since is that the well that's part of their plan that's their yeah. first move was to say oh we're trying to get the old parts and we try to re- to, uh, to serve to be able to service the old synthesizers and build some of them again but the, i mean it's like got to be one of the longest comebacks known because <laughs> everybody's been talking about it for for well it must be a couple of years now isn't it but uh, hopefully they'll come back and uh, make a big splash we hope so this one came from Derek Warren, who's a, a regular listener to, this, to the uh, show, and uh, he, he, he emailed me rather sweetly between uh, Christmas and New Year saying, help, I'm having withdrawal symptoms. When you do come back on, um, can you talk about this? And it was, he's seen a lot of articles on the, the loudness wars, because obviously, you know, CDs are getting louder and louder, and everybody's kind of trying to get the max out of it for TV, radio, or whatever. And he pointed me at a very interesting article by a chap called Bob Spear, who uh, runs a CD mastering service that he's been going since 1985. And um, the thrust of it is, back in 1985, the average level was minus 18, which means, you know, the peaks would obviously wouldn't go past naught, but the, the, the change in level that, de- that would uh, depend on the dynamics would have a sort of variation of approximately 18 decibels, with the average level being minus 18. In 1990, it was up to minus 12. 
Then in 95, it was minus 6. And now it's at minus 3 dB, which means basically there's only, in most commercial CDs that are mastered now, that for, that's presumably for the pop market, there is only 3 decibels of change in, you know, apart from the fade out, let's say. And that's just astonishing. I mean, John, you must... What does it mean? <laughs> what does it mean? Um, everyone wants everything louder. It's, it's all about people referencing what they've recently heard recently, I think. I think that's what's happened. It's, and everyone looks to something that's come out in the last three to six months and says, I want it to be louder than that. And uh, it's just forcing everyone into a corner. And you combine that with um, the improvement in the maximising plugins, of which there has been some improvement over the last five years. And um, the result is that everything's very loud and distorted. He says that uh, several prominent uh, individuals in the recording industry served on a panel to judge the best engineered CD for the Grammys. They listened to 200 CDs and they couldn't find a single CD worthy of a Grammy based on the criteria they were given. Um, In fact, that year, who won was Nora Jones' CD, Come Away With Me. Um, We did a a music talk um, conference once and we discussed exactly the same subject. And um, Stefan Bar, who runs Metricalo in Germany, he said that they analyzed um, the last Madonna CD and found out that there were many, many seconds of clipped audio on the actual CD. So they've mastered it the hell out of it and they actually clipped successive samples over many milliseconds. But I remember years back at, at uh, a well-known mastering facility that they were just using the A to D converter, clipping the input of that as a way of limiting things. And uh, and it didn't actually, I didn't hear it. I mean, it could be that I'm deaf, but I don't think I'm that deaf. And and I think it was quite forgiving process. I think that's been going on a long time, that kind of distortion. And isn't, isn't it more to do with the technology changing? It's just that the limiters have got faster these days. Because fast limiters only really started coming out around about 10, 10 years ago, I seem to remember this starting, that records yeah. got, got louder really just because... Just because the limiters got faster, and then when as we went into the digital age, and we got look-ahead limiters that allowed them to get faster again. Well, yeah, because the Waves L1 was was that the first look-ahead limiter, and that kind of allowed so you, you to introduce me to it. Oh, but from a musical point of view, we are sort of losing one dimension of music. That's the dynamics. I mean, uh, I did a, uh, an interview on a German uh, radio station years ago, and they played one of my records and. Um, there was a it's a trance record and in the middle there is this break where there's just a silent piece of strings and pads going on and that it became enormously loud yeah. <laughs> and then when the first bass drum comes in it all went quiet again yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sorry that kind of happens on radio anyway because they have to compress it to get it into the AM bandwidth or even the FM bandwidth on this uh, website there's a graph isn't there with a picture of all the different dynamic ranges of things and there's a little grey box that says available headroom for punch and musical peaks I mean I think the reason why CDs are so loud is because there aren't any musical peaks that's what's been ironed out with these new especially things like L2 Ultra Maximizer I'm not sure whether it's that much of a problem with a lot of pop music though I mean as non-Eric says that he's given a musical example where it did matter but that kind of uh this this kind of thing only really, I think, applies to classical music where the dynamic's really part of the music. But really, pop music doesn't rely so much on 
on dynamic range like that, I don't think. No, but I, I suppose, also the compression's but... an effect in pop music, isn't it? I yeah, mean, exactly. I love it. Smacking sound in, increases the excitement of it in itself. So it's not really a flat, boring sound. It's an over-compressed and probably more exciting sound that people are going for, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I think the, the problem arises when you get certain people who are who are A&Ring music that isn't pop, wanting it to sound as loud as a pop release. That's the issue. Mm. Because, like you say, with a pop release, you can get away with, with, with a bit of distortion and clipping and all that kind of stuff. Because, you know, it's okay. You can live with it. But when you move back to a jazz release or something where you want it to be sonically as good as possible and then they want it to be as loud as possible, that's when the rub happens. The differences in radios are amazing, though, between different radio stations, the amount they compress the signals and how loud their, their, their feeds are. Well, they're all that's all Orban, isn't it? I mean, they're, all their Optimod stuff is, you know... People who guard, they guard the presets to those things incredibly. We did an interview at the AES Paris, which I'll probably air at some point, uh, uh, with the chap, the MD of, of, of Orban. And he was, you know, he was saying, yeah, you know, we, in America, we have something like 95% of the final mastering stage of FM radio. Well, you know, re- we are the sound of it. I remember back in the late 80s and early 90s, absolutely loving the sound of FM radio and thinking, why can't I get, why, why can't I get a mix to sound like that? But now I don't worry about it anymore because we've started using a similar kind of compression to, that the radio stations used to. And I think it's a very pleasing effect, and, and so I'm not. But there's a big variation between different FM stations to the sound. I mean, a big variation. There's two Sony plugins. There's the Sony Limiter, and then there's another one, which I can't remember what it Inflator. is. Inflator. Inflator, that's the one which just makes it louder. So there's no time-based effects in the same way that there is in limiting and compression. compression. And... You can get it, so it's the same VU level. And the one which is limited sounds exciting and fantastic, and the one that's been through the inflator just kind of sounds louder. And so I, that, it's another example of why I think limiting is a musically uh, pleasing and desirable effect. So it's not just loudness. I, I would uh, I hate to spoil the party, but I, I th- for me it's been, uh, been a frustrating experience in one way because I like to listen to uh, music on the headphones. I have really expensive Sennheiser headphones. My experience is, is that some of the new CDs, they sound great on tiny little speakers or you know, crummy um, yeah. gear, but on really nice speakers and really great uh, headphones, they sound yeah. just, they don't sound as good as old recordings, I'm sorry. And it's a kind of squashed together, and it, it's just... Well, it's, it sounds like AM radio, doesn't it, basically? It sounds like high-quality AM radio. I was yeah. going to say, I wonder if the proliferation of iPods and, and, and the like is actually affecting decisions about the sound of... I, but a lot of the old recordings that used to get slammed down to tape, like a lot of people used to master on the quarter inch and slam the level down, which was its own kind of compression yeah. as well. So we've had to come up with other ways. Now nobody does master the well, quarter Well, exactly. Inch you anymore. listen to some of those old Atlantic, those old Motown ones. I mean, it's Absolutely just distortion city, though, isn't it? It's just full. It's like somebody doesn't know how to record, but the, it, it's a sound, isn't it? Yeah. It's a beautiful sound. It was, it's kind of interesting. We get sent loads of CDs. I think my vibe is. It depends on where I am and what I'm listening to. If I'm in a club or at a gig, it's got to be banging and loud. But we get sent loads and loads of CDs from people. And the other day, um, a CD turned up from one guy who used the Tron. And it was amazing because it was just full of light and shade. And both Chris and I kind of sat here listening to it while we were working, going, you know, it's something that you don't hear that often now. 
Well, that's very. That's I think that's very true. Yeah. I mean, and um, maybe someone will come along with. Well, as we say, Nora Jones won uh, won the, uh, the 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 Grammy that year, um, and they actually said because it was the least interfered with. And there's a, there's an irony in it though, isn't there? That we've you know we're getting more better recording equipment with like 24 bit and how many dB is 24 bit 108 dB dynamic range, and then we're squashing everything up into this tiny sort of bandwidth and then shoving it back onto CD. It doesn't really make sense. Well, it's one of our recurring themes, isn't it? It's we're heading into curmudgeonly territory. I feel if we st- if we maybe stay uh, stay too long on this one, but yes, I absolutely agree. And um, but. Records do sound quite exciting. So, did what? What did every? Did anyone get anything brilliant for Christmas? Andy, Andy, who uh, who works in the office, uh, Andy Mack, who's the the video guru uh, for Sonic, he came in yesterday. We had a pre pre NAM meeting, and he was wearing a rather splendid Christmas jumper with a with a snowflake on the front. And I said to him, "Christmas jumper," and he said, "Yeah." Anyone get anything? Um, Anything good or bad or what? What you know? We can, perhaps we can finish up on this theme. Well, I knew I knew Apple were going to announce some uh, super duper phone because my missus bought me a video iPod. And how have you been getting on with the two and a half inch video viewing experience? I like it, man. I really like it. In fact, I bought my dad um, one of these kind of you know picture frames, LCD picture frame things. Oh yeah. And uh, I've just been you know lobbing some movies onto the iPod and was sort of looking at them and checking them out, going, "Well, this is actually really cool." And uh, when I gave my dad the thing for the the frame for Christmas, he sort of took it out and put it on straight away. And by and comparatively, it looked crap. Oh, just the quality of the LCD. Yeah, I was just like, no, sorry, that's embarrassing. We're going to have to take that back. Mark, you must have got some interesting Christmas presents. I got one really interesting one. I got um, a Guatemalan first issue stamp from the eighteenth of March, nineteen sixty-three. I, I didn't realise you were a philatelist. Is it? What's the word? I'm not. I just collect things that were uh, that were issued or made on the day that I was born, and it just it's just. Oh, okay. Be. I bought myself a book on burnout syndrome. Why are you feeling a little burnout? People that are totally stressed out and overworked, like. Ah, is that the yeah. way you're feeling? Sometimes, yes. But I recovered. You read the book and then realised by the end of it you were no longer burnt out. Absolutely. What a beautiful Christmas tale. John, how about you? Um, I've got a, quite a good book about temperament, about musical temperament, the oh, arrangement yeah. of keys, and about how, how the, the equal temperament has ruined sound of harmony. Ah. I'm about halfway through that at the moment. It's a, bit, a mixture of physics and, and, and history. You know about the Pythagorean common? Comma, yeah, I mean. it's all about all about that and onwards. Actually, speaking of music theory, did anyone see there was a series on Channel Four or Five? Is it Howard Goodall, who's a, brilliant? Who's a, who's yeah. a, basically a musical? Well, what he he does mute theme tunes for various TV programs, and he did this absolutely brilliant series of the history of music, I suppose it was, and and, and the development of scale, harmony, and can, and it was absolutely brilliant. I don't know whether you get it anywhere else um, in the world, but if you get a chance, I can't remember what it's called. I'll try and dig it out, but it's absolutely. Can you remember what it was called? Um, something like how music is made. It, it's it was fabulous. I mean, we all sat and watched it, and and it was really really interesting, and it, it just. Isn't Very it the good. weirdest thing, though? A Saturday night primetime Channel 4 program, program about music theory. There's a website called UK Nova where you can download all the British television site, uh, programs. My favourite bit was when he was showing that the chord sequence, when he was talking about the development of chord sequences, and he showed the, the progressions that they used in 16th century dance music, and then he crossfaded. 
into I found my thrill on Blueberry Hill and it was exactly the same chord sequence. And so it was yeah. brilliant to see that dance music hadn't changed for <laughs> 400 years. <laughs> or at least the rules were written. Yeah, all that yeah, time yeah, yeah. That about covers it then. So that's what we all got for Christmas. Um, next week, uh, I'm not sure about Nam. Uh, it depends. I might record some stuff on the plane. If I can, if I if I can't sleep, I might edit it and put it up as a podcast um, while I'm at Nam. But I imagine we'll be awfully busy. Um, so, once again, thank you ever so much for everybody to for joining us. I'll start with you, Richard, because I forgot to introduce you in the beginning. So, thank you, Richard Evans, for joining us. Very welcome. Thank you, John Musgrave. Cheers, everyone. Thanks, non-Eric, who also runs uh, digitalmusicians.net and musotalk.de. Yeah, just did an MS20 um, video podcast. Oh. And, sh- and showing how you can actually trigger um, and, uh, and it, all, it even follows the pitch when you uh, plug into um, the external signal processor with a guitar. Oh, right. Okay, cool. We'll, uh, we'll send some people over. Uh, Mark Tinley. Have you got my standard reply to paste in there? No, you have to record a new one because it's a new year, you see. Oh, damn. <laughs> uh, okay, thank you very much. Oh, I like There's a slight Devonian kind of slant to that one. Brilliant. And uh, Dave Spears, thank you very much, and we'll see you in California. Mm, indeed. Thank you. Okay, so there we have it. Uh, um, the first podcast of 2007 uh, put to bed. Um, thanks again to all those who participated. And remember, folks, uh, NAM is just around the corner. Uh, next week, we'll be in the air and on the ground on Thursday. We'll have a large team there with a lot of people uh, grabbing video. We'll get it up to you as near as real-time as we possibly can. So keep your eyes peeled on uh, sonicstate.com for news, videos, interviews, and the like. Hello, Sonic State. This is Amanda from M-Audio. Just wanted to say that we love your podcast and always love to hear when M-Audio is mentioned and they have fabulous stories too. So keep it going and I'll see you guys at AM soon. Okay, bye. Once again, please do feel free to contact us. Uh, We've set up a Skype account for people to leave comments. So you can call us directly via Skype, which is the Sonic Talk handle. Uh, We've also got Skype in numbers in the US and in the UK. So if you're in the US, uh, you can dial 312-376-8089. If you're in the UK, 0207-870-8616. Of course, you can always email us at sonictalk at sonicstate.com. Okay, well, that's it for this week. And thanks for listening. Sonic State. What's wrong?